If you want to listen to this episode or any of our episodes ad-free, you can do that now. Head on over to Patreon. Click on the ad-free level. You get all of our bonus shows that you've been hearing so much about. Plus, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can listen to this episode or any of our other episodes at the same time, ad-free, over on Patreon. everyone this is david welcome back behind the velvet rope let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one the only linda gray <laughs> hello wait there's something happening does it say like is it like a red box that says click to accept because i'm recording no it says something about leave the meeting or got it or say, I have no idea. Say. Taking up the whole screen. Say, don't say leave the meeting. Say, I think got it's, it. yeah, say got it. And hopefully it's going to go away. And there, wait, wait. Okay. okay. Yeah. And you're still here. I think it was just saying, you know, you're being recorded and you give me permission to record. And I did. <laughs> See, we're off to such a great start, you know? Well, thank you for doing this. You know, I have to say, I'll just say right off the bat, this is my job. I would be talking to you regardless, but this chat is personal for me. I am now dating myself, huge Dallas fan. So let's just put that out there right at the beginning. Thank you. I mean, I, I this is such a great show. So thank you for doing this. What do you mean you're dating yourself? Well, sometimes people say, wait, how old are you? And you, I mean, if I start saying, well, you know, I remember Dallas and I watched Dallas growing up, people say, oh, how old are you? And then that just gives away, you know, a certain age, because sometimes I think people think I'm younger than I am. That's what I mean. Well, you are. And don't bother with those people. We don't want to no, hear from those people, right? No, nobody should ask your age anyway. So anyway, let's get on to good, truthful things. Not I, about me. I agree, though. I think asking someone's age is the same as asking how much money are you worth and how much money do you make a year? I think there are three strange questions that you would never ask someone, right? I agree. I agree. Totally agree. So we don't do that. We're not that kind of person. We're not that kind. Well, starting at the beginning, you know, is this true? Because look, at I, I know that first season of Dallas, those first five episodes, you know, the character of Sue Ellen was supposed to really, you weren't in the title. It was just supposed to be a very bit part. Is it true, though, that you didn't even audition that you just had to like speak to someone on the phone and they gave you the part? Or is that just a folklore? No, that's not correct. Not correct. They already had cast, not officially, not totally, but they had cast Mary Fran in the role of Sue Ellen. Do you remember Mary Fran yeah. from the Heart Show? And she was a friend of mine. But I was doing at that time, I was doing all the glitters with Norman Lear. That was in 1977. And the casting lady, Ruth Comforti, I love her to this day, uh, she was brought in to cast... Uh, some of the bit parts, the minor parts on Dallas. And she said to them, she said, um, have, do you know Linda Gray? Who, I mean, nobody knew who I was. And uh, she said, please, please, please see her. And she kept bugging them. And they said, no, we have Mary Fran and Victoria Principal's brunette. We wanted a blonde and on and on and on. So she said, I know, but please just see her. We're working with her on all the glitters and we would love you to see her. So, okay, I got the dreaded call that on Friday night at five o'clock, dreaded time in Hollywood or anywhere. <laughs> Nobody wants to have an audition five o'clock Friday night. Anyway, I went in and because Sue Ellen was not important, they didn't have, a, there was no script. There was nothing to read, nothing. So they had, um, David Jacobs had concocted a little, sort of an arbitrary uh, scene where Sue Ellen was on the phone, JR was calling saying that he could not be home for uh, John Ross's birthday party because he was at the office. Well, 
we know where he was. He was not at the office, but I had to react uh, to this phone call in the room with all the uh, the executives for the Dallas show. Anyway, I did the scene and I thought I did a good job and I it didn't last very long. <laughs> so I went, I walked out to my car and maybe it was woman's intuition. I have no idea. Uh, I knew I got that role. I just knew it. And I got in the car and I drove home and I told my husband, I said, I think I got this role. And he said, you're already working for Norman Lear. And I said, I know, but it ends soon. And this is a new show called Dallas. Anyway, that's how I got it. <laughs> that's the true story. Wow. I did, did have to audition. Did you know, because like it was David Jacobs and Leonard Katzman and, you know, like, did was there a buzz about it or was this just like, ah, eh, this is like, you know, five episodes. It's a small part. I don't know where this is going to go. No one's really that excited about this show, but let's just see, or was there, there a buzz about this? Well, the interesting thing is, um, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, you don't know where it's going to go, five episodes. Okay, but as an actor, you're happy to work. You don't you don't care how many it is. You just go in and do it. So um, I remember my husband at that time was um, the art director at uh, Warner Brothers Records. Um, it's so, and it was a reprise in shot in, Bur in Burbank on the Warner Brothers lot. So this was supposed to shoot in Burbank. And so we got excited because we could carpool and we could have lunch on the set, blah, blah, blah. And we, we thought, oh, wow, this will be so much fun. And, and they called on the, let's see, the Monday morning they called and told me I got the role. I was excited. So then my husband and I were like, oh, this is fabulous. This and this and this. We're, we're going to have so much fun carpooling together. And on. then they called a few days later. And it was like, no, CBS decided that they want you to go to Dallas. So I was like, oh, my God, this is not going to go well with my husband, of course, <laughs> or the kids. And so, you know, then it, we went a different direction. So it was a little, a little odd beginning. It's such an L.A. thing when you're like, yay, we get to carpool and it's like we're not going to sit in traffic and it's actually close to where we live. That's such an L.A. thing. No, it's a human thing. You you get to, you know, that's a cool thing, I think, that you get to do. do well, we thought so anyway. So I, we didn't look, I lived on a ranch. We lived on a ranch. So it was not an L.A. thing. I've never been an L.A. thing. <laughs> so. Did you go in with a plan of like, okay, this is a smaller part, you know, let me try to beef this up or did it, you know, did the evolution of Swellen in those first five episodes kind of just happen before your very eyes? And could you tell it was happening? Like, you know, this could lead to something bigger. Um, I never, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, no, not kind of, I'm an in the moment person. I do. I don't look at the, you know, like, how long is this going to run? I was just happy. I was excited to do five episodes. And I got to uh, work with, uh, I had a crush on Larry Hagman uh, from I Dream of Jeannie. I thought he was adorable. Um, uh, uh, Major Nelson. I mean, oh, my God. So then I had met prior to all this. Um, I had met through the makeup man on All That Glitters. Uh, I had met Patrick Duffy. We stopped off at Patrick's house on the way to uh, the location. <laughs> and I walked in and there was a man from Atlantis. I was like, oh, my God, who is this man from Atlantis? So I had Major Nelson and man from Atlantis. And um, when we all met uh, in Burbank, when we were all finally cast. Um, and I knew of Jim Davis. I didn't know Ken. I didn't know Charlene. And, but when I saw Barbara Belgettas, I thought, this is an odd group of people. We have, you know, Major Nelson, man from Atlantis, and the classiest woman on Broadway, Barbara Belgettas. I thought, what is this show? Kind of a mixture, kind of an odd assortment of people. <laughs> and now it became our family. So I was uh, beyond thrilled. When did you get the sense of, you know, 
this could be the one that changes my life. Like, was it in those first five episodes? Was it like after you came back for a second season and it got a full season pickup? No, it it never was. Was it going to change my life? Um, I don't think of things like that. I do. I I do one thing at a time. I focus on that, and I don't. You know, it's just my personality. I just do the best job I can in the moment. End of story. And my whole thing, because I was a mother, my whole thing was focused on. Are the kids okay? How are the horses? How are the dogs and cats? And, you know, my whole thing was like, okay, I'm away from home for two months. And that was a shock to our family. And I had to be Martha Stewart. I became Martha Stewart before there was Martha Stewart. (laughs) I was freezing casseroles. God forbid they would not eat for two months. (laughs) So my life became kind of scattered and out of context. And I thought, what am I doing in Dallas, Texas, for God's sakes? And so that's how it was. And then there there was a momentum. And I didn't think it would change my life. I just knew that it was a good job. I was like, wow, this is a, this is a good job. I love the people I'm working with. And a lot of people weren't happy, not on our set, but a lot of people weren't happy in general with their job. I was thrilled. I loved to see my friends every morning. And even though it was early, <laughs> five, five o'clock. Um, but that's what I loved. I loved, uh, you know, it was like going to school and seeing your friends in the morning. And being in the moment, like as I get older, I've learned that, but that's a really good way to be, right? I think we all are just rushing around and thinking about the future. Like being in the moment is really a good way to, it's a good motto to life. That's, that's how it was. It was. The wait is over. That's right. A season five of the Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. This summer, the world must answer one question. Why has no one made a popsicle? that gets you high yet that's right it's summer and it's time for you to get your hands on america's new favorite product danksicles 20 milligrams of thc in two great flavors the latest and greatest innovation from indicloud is indicloud the greatest company to come out of america maybe but what we do know for sure is that indicloud is the best way to get dispensary grade cannabis delivered directly to your door 100 percent legally yes they ship legally to all states no medical card needed Whether it's vapes as big as your head, flowers you won't find in your mom's garden, or of course, popsicles that get you high as What are you waiting for? Go to indicloud.co slash spring24 and get discreet delivery on top shelf THC products. Head over to indicloud.co slash spring24, that's co, not com, to snag 30% off your first order. You guys, Valentine's Day is right around the corner, and I have to tell you the perfect gift for your loved one or your date this Valentine's Day is the Via High Love Gummy. Look, the High Love Gummy, it's kind of like the best of both worlds. It pairs aphrodisiac herbs with, listen, a mild amount of THC. It just, it kind of like awakens your senses, it increases your blood flow, and look, for those dates, it certainly intensifies any sexual experience. I also love that Vaya has an array of other gummies with or without THC. So if THC isn't for you, you could still take advantage of their CBD line with products designed for sleep, focus, and energy. Vaya has something for everyone. They legally ship in all 50 states with very discreet packaging directly to your door. So let the gummies work their magic. So head to viahemp.com and use the code VELVET to receive 15% off and one free sample of their Sleepy Dreams gummies, 21 and over. That's viahemp.com and use code VELVET at checkout. Take your passion and your pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Viahemp. One of the best things you can do for your kids is to teach them how to manage money. And this should be started when they are little. 
And that's why I'm excited to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, Go Henry by Acorns, the smart debit card and app for kids six to eight. With Go Henry, kids can learn about money, set spending and saving goals, and even track chores and earn allowance money right within the app. They learn the value of money by using their GoHenry debit cards, while parents can set spend limits and help guide their journey, while staying informed every step of the way. I seriously wish I had this as a kid. I had to learn about money the hard way as an adult. If my parents had set me up with GoHenry as a kid, a learning to adult would have been so much easier. Set your kids up for success and get started today at GoHenry.com slash velvet. TNCs apply. Renews from $4.99 per month unless canceled. When did you get a sense, though, that, okay, wait, you know, was it like walking down the street when you came back for, you know, like, did you have that first bout of like, wait, I'm famous, this show is going to be a huge thing, even though you are living in the moment where you just had that like, oh, wow, people really are watching in droves. It, it was gradual. Um you know, it was, we didn't know. Um, we just were watching when we got picked up. CBS liked it. They they loved it, the cast. And we really, honestly, it, maybe it's just me. I don't know. Uh, we really didn't know. We were just kind of like, you know, in our routine and doing our best work and loving what we were doing. And the scripts were great. And, um, None of us had been to Dallas before, except Mr. Hagman. And um, that was an interesting time. We were uh, we were in a motel, not a hotel, nothing fancy. We were in a motel in Dallas, Texas. And um, I remember all of us sitting on the floor. And the bathtub was filled with ice and several bottles of champagne were there, courtesy of Mr. Hagman. <laughs> And we just looked at each other like, what are we doing here? What is this place? What, what are we doing? And, um, and Neiman Marcus was across the freeway. And I remember clearly, uh, because I didn't have much to do, I thought, I have, I'm playing a woman who's married to a very rich man in Texas. And I don't know anything about Texas women. So I'm going to go over to Neiman Marcus and I'm going to sit there and I'm going to get my nails done one day. I'm going to get my hair done another day. I'm going to listen. And that's how Sue Ellen Ewing was created because I listened and I took notes about what they were saying and uh, what they were buying, how they were doing their hair, you know, their nails, what they talk about, what do they buy? Uh, what's important to them? And I remember a funny, a funny line where I was in, I was listening to, to a conversation and they said, oh, honey, I've got, I've got to go because I have to go home and fluff and fold. And I thought fluff and fold, they have to go home and do the laundry. That's what I thought. Well, fluff and fold was not laundry. Fluff and fold was, I have to go fluff and fold and get ready for my husband when he comes home. That was fluff and fold. Those were little idiosyncrasies that I picked up along the way. And I, uh, that's how Sue Ellen became. I didn't know how to, how, to, how to talk Texas talk. I had to listen and learn. And I did. We have Neiman Marcus to thank for Sue Ellen Ewing, in part. <laughs> Absolutely. I still love them. <laughs> Well, how did, when did you realize, you know, man from Atlantis and, you know, I dream a genie, you know, look, we all, you, we all come and work on different sets and, you know, you have colleagues and you talk at craft services, but, you know, you did have a lifelong friendship with Larry, you know, you have a lifelong friendship with Patrick. Like, when did that magic start? Like, was it love at first sight for the three of you? Like, how did this develop? <laughs> well, you know, it did because I had, I had the, uh, the wonderful backstory of, of having that crush on Major Nelson and then meeting Patrick Duffy. And um, it, the three of us just clicked. And then Larry and I, when we started working together, even though there were little small things, sort of snippets of a scene or a little thing, I thought, 
Sue Ellen, why did you marry this guy? He's not nice. He's not a good husband. He's not a, won't be a good father. How, what happened here? And the three of us just, I don't know, it was charisma. It was very charismatic between Larry and I. There was a chemistry that I didn't understand, but I felt it. And um, he could be so bad. And then I'd fight him back. I and mean, this is off screen. And, and one day, I think one night we had a scene and I was in a black negligee thing. And he asked me to put a sew button on his shirt. I said, I don't sew buttons on shirts. And it started. And I think that was a scene. Oh, I know. On the way home, Larry told me I was not good in that scene. He denied it for years. I said, Larry, do you remember when you told me that I was not good in that scene with you? And he said, oh, no, 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 no. I never said that. I never said that. He did. And I never forgot it. Because but what happened was I thought internally, I'll show you, you rat, that I'm, I can hold my, my own with you. Um, because I think he was trying to put me down in a, in a not nice way. And I got, I fought him right back. So it started and there was, there was this, we could be, we could be just laughing and joking off camera and the director would say, okay, we're ready, blah, blah, blah. And we would just turn into those people immediately. And I'd never had that experience before. And um, he was generous. He was absolutely divine, uh, an actor extraordinary. And uh, one day he, uh, we were having this fight scene and he gently, I was not in my light. I was in this sort of hot, angry moment and I wasn't in my light. I remember he took my shoulders and he gently just moved me over so I could be in the light. So kind. And most actors would not have done that. They would let me be in the shade. <laughs> but Larry was extraordinary, a consummate actor. Did you ever internalize, like, right, like I've heard that story before, you know, like where Larry said you weren't good in that scene. And like you said, we have Barbara Belgetti's like stage legend and Jim Davis and Man from Atlantis. And, you know, it was like more of an, I mean, you had been working before, but it was more of a new role for you like did you ever have those insecurities when like a Larry Hagman would say something like that or were you just like I'm gonna show you no it wasn't it wasn't even that it was like like I said before in the moment I I, I my job was to do the best job for me I had to show up 125 percent every day and so if Larry was being a pain in the behind I I thought well he's being, being naughty today and I would just be myself and just to go do my work it was all about doing the best work I could that's what, how it was what was the phenomenon of I shot JR or who who shot JR not I shot JR who shot JR and I mean were people coming out of the woodworks to ask you who is it and I mean I know you were I mean that you were in you went to record and that you did the voiceover for Kristen and so technically you were the first to know and then what was that like was that more pressure did you say wait I don't want to know I'm going to slip up or how was that like take me through all that I mean a hundred million people basically watched that I mean literally that season premiere but see I I knew so I had recorded it. I knew who it was. So, you know, that was the hardest summer. My children did not want to be with me out in public. I would go to the market and every two feet, somebody would stop me. And they, they were so adorable until it got to be not, not adorable. It was like, I'm going to go mental. Um, because they were, they'd all go, oh, you can tell us, Linda, who shot JR. And then they'd start laughing. And at the hundredth laughing, I was just like, I can't, I have to go home. I can't do this. And then people would stop us if we're, we were at a restaurant, the family, and somebody came over and the family came over and asked for an autograph. And I said, well, you know, we're eating. I'll do it after we're finished. And they said, no, 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 we, we are going to the airport. We have to have you sign it right now. And my kids, they would just look down. They were so upset. And, um, you know, I'd quickly sign, no, can we take a picture? And it was really, um, it was upsetting because my family didn't want to go do things with me because 
it took away from our family time. I didn't like it. I mean, I was really upset. But, you know, you <clears throat> you do the best you can. And um, we, we survived. Did you ever think before you found out it was Kristen, did you ever think it was Sue Ellen? No, because of the show. Because there was a, it, it, Sue Ellen and JR. I thought, they can't have Sue Ellen do it. No, it, no. <laughs> I didn't think so. But we had fun. We had fun filming because we all, uh, we they filmed, they didn't want the crew or anybody to know, to think, oh, we saw it, we know who it is. So we all, the entire cast took shots at him so that they could throw off the, the scent. <laughs> That's always fun, right? Oh, we had a great time. Everybody is, loved it. Is there a certain memory you have? Like, you know, we all know about like Larry Hagman was such a prankster on set. Like, is there something that sticks out in your mind of just like one of Larry's infamous pranks? And did you ever try to prank him back? Oh, we all did. We were all, uh, you know, he, every, you know, when people ask me that question and it's a great question, um, but people ask me, you know, uh, tell us the funniest thing that happened. Every single day, something happened that made him make the whole cast and crew uh, laugh. He just was a prankster. Uh, he was a party, is what Larry was. I tried to, someone asked me, how do you describe Larry Hagman? And he was his own party and he invited everybody. So it was like, let's do this and let's do that. Let's do this. And he would be on a scooter, like a, scooter child scooter and just be plump, pumping around uh, the whole uh, MGM studios uh, then it was Lorimar and then it was now it's Sony but he would just ride around on a scooter and then he'd get me to be on the back of the scooter and the poor director would say where are where are they and they said oh they're over there on the scooter and people would go raise roll their eyes like those kids are out on a scooter I had full hair, makeup, high heels on the back of the scooter. But we had so much fun. It was just the most delightful uh, time I've ever had. Who doesn't love the finer things in life? I sure do. But listen, even though I enjoy luxury, it doesn't mean I can always afford it. And even if I can afford it, it doesn't mean I always want to pay the prices. That's why I dress myself head to toe in Quince. Quince is my go-to for luxury essentials at affordable prices. My favorite is their 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters that start at $50. I have this cashmere crew neck sweater literally in every color. And there are like are over 10 to choose from. I have it in sapphire. I have it in mustard. I have it in charcoal. I have it in navy. I can keep going. Quince has washable silk tops and dresses, organic cotton sweaters, 14 karat gold. The best part is that their items are always priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Give yourself the luxury you deserve with Quince. Go to quince.com slash velvet rope for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash velvet robe to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash velvet robe has anyone else had major drama and hiring for their business out there how great does it feel to finally find the right qualified candidate and close out a job search but what if i told you you get rid of the job search and just match you can with indeed indeed is a great matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. I was able to hire the last ad sales rep that I hired within such a short period of time. Before Indeed, this would have taken me days and weeks, sometimes even months. Do you know that in the minute I've basically just been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide, 23 hires. Right now, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash velvet. Just go to Indeed Indeed.com slash velvet right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash velvet. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sue Ellen was such a fan favorite. Like, were you aware that she was such a fan favorite? And what do you think was the attraction? Like, why do people, I mean, she was my favorite, let me just tell you, but why do you think people gravitated and she had such a place in everyone's heart? 
thank you for yes, thank you for that. It's, it's <laughs> she true. Was my favorite. She was my favorite too. <laughs> <laughs> no, she was my favorite because she was so to me, uh, and and it, it, this sounds egotistical. Not, she was the most interesting female on television during those eighties, the eighties. I thought you. She was unpredictable. Uh, you never knew where she was coming from. And I think she was very relatable in an odd kind of way. She was relatable because nobody has a perfect life. And I think a lot of people looked at the Ewings as having all that money and their life was wonderful and they had pretty clothes and cars and all that stuff. But the reality is, is that she... You know, a lot of things that Dallas did, I'm going off a little track here, but That's fine. Dallas did interesting things that weren't at that time on television, weren't brought to the surface. Miss Ellie had a mastectomy, never was talked about before. Sue Ellen was an alcoholic, never was talked about before. Everything that happened back then pushed under the rug. Nobody talked about, especially female alcoholic. And then when um, Betty Ford, our president's wife, came out that she had a problem, then it was like, oh, okay, I guess we can talk about it. And things started cracking where people were talking about it. Uh, you know, they, everything that happened was new. And it was, to me, it was this unveiling in this, uh, Sue Ellen was the underdog and then she be, she was kind of on an upward trend here. And, um, you know, at the end, you know, she was her own person. She left JR. She was, she, because there was a beginning, a middle and an end for Sue Ellen that I thought was brilliant. I love the, uh, the arc that she had where she was very vulnerable. And I think that's um, when a lot of people related. Like maybe they had not a nice marriage or maybe they would sit in their living room watching the interaction between JR and Sue Ellen. And they'd go, uh-oh, <laughs> uh-oh, it's getting close to home. This is getting a little bit uh, scary. But it was entertainment. We were there to entertain you. And maybe poke at the fact that maybe you could change your life. You could bring things out that weren't spoken. Um, I know a lot of my gay friends came out during that time. And um, a, a lot of people got a divorce. Not that I'm saying these are all great things. But I think that it was a time where you could do a, your own therapy, your own life therapy. Like, wow, I, I, I think I have the courage to tell my parents that I'm gay. I think I have the courage to go to AA. Maybe I have the courage to have honest discussions about life. Um, maybe these things could happen while you're sitting on the couch. So I think that that was the big surge and why people connected. Maybe my boss is just like J.R. Ewing. Maybe this is happening. Maybe this dirty deed is happening. I think it it allowed people to think, kind of poke them a little bit. Like, what do you think about this? How about that? Is that what you really think? Let's think again. I think there were all those things that came out during that show. What about, you know, yes, we learned in season two, she was an alcoholic and then Sue Ellen was in recovery and then an alcoholic and then recovery. And so there's many ins and outs. Like, how did you feel about that? I mean, did you ever say... No, I'm just not interested this season in Swellen going down this road again. And like, how much of an input did you have? Or was it just like, Linda, we're doing this, so get ready? Well, I remember one day, it was very chauvinistic a comment, but I went in, I think it was after season eight, I went in and I said, I am tired of drinking. I said, I'm drinking and have a, having affairs. This is boring. And when an actor gets bored on a long time series, you, the audience can tell because you're just not, it's, you know, you have, it's your job. You have to, you have to be uh, excited about all of it. 
So I went in in season eight and I said, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Women are changing. We're not just, you know, an object, a, a bookend. We're not that. We're so much more, so much more. And well, it was a very chauvinistic show, frankly. And uh, so I said, I, I don't want to do it anymore. And I remember a pat on the shoulder saying, but you do it so well. And I thought, I'm going crazy. I'm going to go mental in this room with these people telling me that. And I said, well, thank you very much, but I'm done. I don't want to drink anymore. And uh, that was that was it. And then it was a big, it's too long of a story, but anyway, they fired me. And um, I said, fine, I don't care. And um, then so after season eight, uh, Larry called me. He said, well, I'll see you next season. Um, and I said, no, they fired me. And he said, what do you, what? What do you mean they fired you? I said, well, I don't want to drink anymore. And I'm I'm just born with Sue Ellen. And so he was like, okay. He said, so he said, he went in and said, if she goes, I go. Well, Larry wouldn't have gone. But anyway, it sounded good. It made him feel sound good. So I don't know what happened. But anyway, they brought me back. Was but that at least they knew I was finished with this damn alcohol. They said, well, we'll, we'll stop you drinking, but we have to take you down. And I said, how far down? They said down. And that's when I ended up drinking with the bag lady in the alley and all that. So, you know, they took me down, but that's, that's where I went. I was happy to do it. And then I came out pretty good at the end. Was that also tied to like the whole after season eight, you also wanted to direct. And I know like Larry and other people were directing and it was all just like, basically you're yes. a woman. And why would you be asking this question? It, it was a mess that that time was just a mess. And um, so, I mean, it was even a, a worse mess because uh, they, they had me, I didn't ask for any money, nothing. I just wanted to direct one episode in the next 52. They said, no, that, and then they really thought that was really, I was out. So anyway, because I spoke up <laughs> and uh, anyway, they didn't like that. So anyway, when they finally said, okay, you can come back. I had to agree with no money to start to do another year with no, no money boost. And I thought, you are bad. And I didn't care. I got to work another year and I got to direct. And I ended up uh, directing five episodes. So I was happy. But man, it was a fight. It was it was hard. Is it, you know, because you look at like I've had Suzanne Summers on this show. You know, Suzanne Summers would own the network now if they said, you know, you asked for more money. I mean, she was fired. We all know that. Like, where do you think we are now? I mean, wow, we've come far. I mean, or are we still in a different way, women in Hollywood fighting a different fight? Right. Yeah. And it was, um, you know, I mean, I cheer everybody on. It's like, come on, just stop all this nonsense. And, um, you know, but this was this was like in 80. I don't even remember six, seven. Anyway, it was a tough it was a fight. And but it wasn't I wasn't angry. I just thought it was um, unfair. Uh, that Patrick and Larry got direct, but and and they told me they said, well then if you direct, the rest of the women want to direct. So I went to Barbara, Victoria, Charlene. I said, you guys want to direct? And everyone said, hell no. Uh, so I went back to them. I said, I asked everybody, and they don't want to. So they were kind of pushed into a corner. I think they had to they had to say yes. Get rid of her. Shut her up. Let her direct. <laughs> Just let her do it. What about, you know, Sue Ellen has done so much. She was in a sanitarium. She was the original cougar with Chris Atkins. I mean, she had her boyfriend go over the balcony when she got in a scuffle with JR, like had a, a child that she didn't know if it was Cliff's or JR's. I mean, was there any storyline you just loved of Sue Ellen's or any arc you just really enjoyed the most? Let me see. Well, I love the drunk scenes I, because as an actor, I just loved it. I loved chewing the scenery. Yes, let me have that. And I loved, uh, I loved the scenes with with Dusty, uh, with the cow with the, my cowboy. Loved him as a human being. I loved him too, and I thought those were really special. Um, you know, I just I had such a good time. I mean, 
It wasn't like one stood out. I did. I just loved the. It was a yummy. I called it. You know, when they allowed me to uh, go down. When they said we'll take you down, I said how far down? End up drinking in the alley with the bag lady, uh, which I thought was, yeah, it's like okay. And they say in LAA that you there's a you, you go when you do go down, you have to hit rock bottom, and that was my rock bottom. So I loved it. Um, and you know, actors we love to do things like that. We love to do things that are just this stretch us, and you know get the yum, the juicy yummy parts of life out so it that was great well the audience loved an unhinged drunk drinking in the alley with the bad women so ellen as well <laughs> and you were always rooting for her but you just loved when she got messy and and evil. oh yes i did too and i had this fabulous valentino outfit and um i had to rip the skirt and I cringed because I thought, oh, I'm ripping a Valentino outfit. And it just broke my heart. <laughs> they had to get two skirts, one to rip and one to keep nice. So I was like, oh, my God, get something, you know, get something from, you know, cheaper place. They didn't. I said, no, you, this is how you wear things. And this is what we're going to do. And I was like, maybe I can fix it. Just add it to the wardrobe <laughs> budget. What about all that tabloid fodder that went along with like, right, everyone knows like you and Larry and, you know, Patrick were such good friends. Like, you know, there was always this like, well, Victoria principal, like she's on the outs, like no one really got along with her. Was there any truth to that? Or was that just all tabloid? Uh, no, I mean, they, they, they wanted to, they wanted to write bad things. In fact, they're still doing it. Yesterday, my friend called and asked, now this is today, this is, 2023 they said are you okay and I said yeah I'm fine I'm great they said oh we just read where you died I'm like oh well that's wrong <laughs> and this, yesterday so, I, I I read that as well what I I read that I was like you know because you know you you want you google some things you know of course I know your story but you prepare for an interview I think last week and that was like the first thing that came up and I was like what and then there was other things about you. So I'm like, this isn't obviously true, but that is something that does come up. Yeah, and my friends were very upset, but they were calling me. And, and I thought if I was dead, I would not be talking to you, number one. And, and you know, those things, just you have to let them go and realize that there are just some troll people out there talking about something i have no idea i didn't want to read it i don't ever read that kind of negative stuff and um i thought well maybe it makes their life happier i don't who knows who cares i'm on i'm on to living in my life not worrying about what people say about me that's a good way to live too what was your decision in season 12 to leave? Was it just, you know, I played one character for 12 years and as an actress, this time I really am bored and I need to try something else. Or was there anything else around? Am, am, am I making that up or was there any other reasons? No, no, my contract was up. That <laughs> That's the reason. And people try to make these things up, blah, blah, blah. No, my contract was up. And personally, I felt that I had done... Um, the best I could with Sue Ellen Ewing. Uh, and she was off going off to London with Ian McShane. And I thought if I come back and again, another season, what's going to happen? And I thought I'd rather leave on a high note uh, and leave JR floundering around trying to figure out what he's going to do. Uh, then, then stay and wonder what, they were going to do with my character. So it was my decision. I had a choice. It was my contract was up and I chose to say bye. Bye, Suelle. It was such bye. a great exit to just say to JR, you know, I will always have this hanging over you. And just so you know, I am in the power now and I'm really leaving. It was such a great, true to character way, I think, just to write Suelle out of the story when you decided to leave. Yeah, I felt it. So it was, and it was just, um, uh, it, you know, it, it's, it's such a beautiful role, such an interesting woman to play. 
and um, and I was really proud of the work I did. Time to leave. Thank you. I'm going home now. Well, you worked very consistently after Dallas. A very self-indulgent part of your career for me is Hillary Michaels and Models, Inc. How much fun was that show? It was great. I loved it. And I didn't know why it didn't continue. I was so upset. <laughs> and uh, I loved Heather. And, you know, we all got along. I loved all the models and, and the, the, guy, the male and female models. And, um I don't know what happened. It was, it was just one of those things like, okay, that didn't work. I don't know for what reason. Such so, to me, it's always political or um, some sort. I don't what what was it like working with Heather Locklear? It was great. We just, we got along wonderfully. And it was supposed to be that, you know, kind of mother-daughter connection and it was it was lovely but off camera she was she was absolutely wonderful it was such a good show gone before it's time yeah Mellor's Place spinoff so good and I mean Carrie Ann Moss and Garcelle Bouvet like it had a lot of great people in it it did did you I saw I saw Garcelle maybe maybe about a year ago I guess time is going so fast you know and Carrie Ann Moss, I mean, Matrix, it was like, I'm so happy for her. She had a great, and Garcelle is doing great on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I take it you don't sit home and watch the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? I don't watch the Housewives of any place. <laughs> I love them all. I think they're doing a great job. It's just not my deal. And I had, I don't have time to watch that. So, But I love Garcelle. So that's that, that's why <laughs> I like her. Could you ever have predicted back when you were on Dallas, like what, I mean, reality TV is such a, it's a real thing and it's been here for a while. I mean, speaking of housewives, like, are you ever just shocked? I mean, just, I, I grew up in a time when there was no reality TV. It's such a big thing these days. Well, I always said Sue Ellen was the original desperate housewife and I have no interest. I think it's wonderful. They're gorgeous women, blah, blah, blah. And I, applaud them for doing what they're doing. But I have no interest. I don't see, watch that kind of, um, those reality shows. I just don't. Do you think Sue Ellen would get along with Hillary Michaels? <laughs> they should have lunch and discuss. Then we'll get back to you. <laughs> Two successful businesswomen. Talk to me about the reboot with Cynthia Sidre. It was so great on TNT. Like, where did you first hear about that? Like, was it Cynthia? Was it like an agent or a manager? Or was it someone like Larry calling and saying like, hey, guess what? No, uh, two years prior to that, uh, we Larry Patrick and I got a random phone call. Would you be interested in doing a reboot? And we all said, sure. You know, we would get to work together after 20 years. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, it was, that was a dream. So we called each other and said, did you get that call? Did you get that call? So we all said yes. And then the script was not good. So we didn't want to come back and have it be like a dreaded failure. That would not be good. So um, we said, mm. so then we never heard from them for two years. Not another phone call, nothing. We were like, well, it was kind of excitement, a little bit of excitement. Anyway, so what happened was um, uh, two years later, we got a call, another call, and we were kind of skeptical, like, are you messing with us again? And then we got a script. And for me, I mean, I don't think the guys knew this, but for me, on the title of the script was uh, created by or written by Cynthia Cidre, a woman. I was already, I already liked it. I didn't even open it. I was like, oh my God, a woman, yes, make this happen. So I read it. It was more, more about the guys in the beginning and I didn't care. I thought this would be good. Bring in the young kids and this and that and, and give it young energy. But I think they made such a good decision, but they had to have us. They had to have the oldies, the goodies in there because- we were the we were the foundation and i don't think they could have just had the the kids even though they're wonderful 
I love them to pieces, all of them still. Um, but I think it was wise. They needed uh, the grounding of the older ones. And, and um, I think they did a great job. Cynthia did a fabulous job of pulling it all together. And uh, so one night we had dinner, uh, the three of us and uh, Mike Robin and Cynthia Cedre. And I think we, I mean, because Larry is so funny, um, I think we kind of, they were kind of stunned. Like this is J.R., Sue Ellen and Bobby. And they were kind of like, and you know, the boys were throwing dinner rolls across the table and one ended up on somebody else's table in the restaurant. I mean, it was chaos. And so, but they had chosen us. They had said, okay, we want the three of you to be in the new reboot. And we were blessed and thankful and had so much gratitude. So we got to work together again, 20 years later. Wow. Beautiful. Did you have, you know, Sue Ellen ran for governor, like she was this powerful businesswoman, like how much input did you have in Sue Ellen, like the, the second time around and where the character well, was? It was actually, that was my idea to run for governor. Cause I thought she knows all the guys, all who the JR business guys, she knows all his tricks. She knows all his lying and terrible business dealings, but she knows everybody. So I thought this time around, wouldn't it be cool if she became governor of Texas? Why not? And then JR would have to deal with Sue Ellen Ewing. <laughs> I thought this is great. So I went to Cynthia and she, at first she was reluctant, like, oh God, maybe, because it you know, wasn't in the script. And so I thought, okay. So I told her, I said, this is my idea. I think it would be great because it would be a power to power. It would be JR and Sue Ellen, but she would be governor. Yes. So anyway, we started the campaign and it was on a roll and everything. And then one day she came to me and she said, you have to lose. And I said, why? Why do I have to lose? She said, because the capital is in Austin. This is called Dallas. We need to be in the city of Dallas and we can't afford to fly you back and forth. I mean, literally, they did, wouldn't have, but wouldn't have, but it, it needed to be more Dallas concentrated. I should have run for mayor or something, but anyways, my idea to be governor of Texas. So then I had to I had to lose. So I said, well, if I have to lose, make it quick, make it as painless as possible, because I don't want to just kind of hover here. So she was great. So I lost, and that was it. Next, it was very funny. So we laughed a lot about. At least I got to, to run. It was a great story arc. What about, you know, we saw, you know, obviously in the show, the death of JR, in that is when you started, you picked up a bottle. I mean, was that because of, like, was there a discussion in the reboot of, like, will Sue Ellen drink? Were you strongly opposed to her drinking again? And was this, like, a conscious decision where you weighed in of, like, you know what, this is actually a time where she should drink? Yeah, I asked that she not. I said, we've been there, done that. Ad nauseum. I, no. I said, so please, uh, please don't let her drink. So I thought it was absolutely appropriate when JR died, slash Larry Hagman died, that she, you know, I've talked to a lot of alcoholics and they, I said, would you, would you drink if this happened? If you're husband slash ex-husband, whatever, uh, would you would you take a drink? And they said, yes. And most of them, most of them. Some said no, but some said yes. And Cynthia was so, so conscious of the fact how, of how delicate it would be. And I thought, yep, that would be, that would be the honorable thing, the respectful thing to do. As because that was she went down again. This was like mentally down, and I thought, okay, if she were to drink, that would be the time. So uh, I agreed to that. Uh, it was it was a tough scene uh, because there was nobody, just me in that scene and drinking, and well, it was a tough one. Yeah, it was hard, but I felt it was right. 
Yeah, it made sense to me. Was it like at least cathartic, you know, of all the times, like if you're going to lose, you know, one of your best friends like that, you guys were actually all together, you know, working together. It was almost like meant to be, so to speak, if it ever was going to happen. Did you have that type of in the moment reaction? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody felt it. You know, that when I was standing at the casket, when we did that scene, uh, I mean, it, it affected everybody, the whole cast. It was a tough one. It was just handled so well, so true to Dallas. I think the whole thing about the reboot, like it's just the whole thing. It felt so true to the original. I mean, I don't know how Cynthia got it. So I think having the three of you there certainly did help, but just the kids were great. The whole thing was just- Kids were great. I know. Do you think, I mean, I know TNT, I know all the politics, there was new management and came in. Like, do you think it was partly like Larry's passing or was it just more the whole TNT and all like the new regime didn't really believe in the show because it was brilliant? I think they used Larry's death as an excuse. And it was a new uh, regime that came in. And it historically, when one regime uh, it turns it over to the new regime, uh, the new regime doesn't want anything to do with the past. I think it was not a smart decision on their part. And um, the ratings were still high. Uh, we all got along. It was it was great. It was amazing ratings. Um, so that's what I think. I think it was just a battle of egos. That, that, no, that was your show, Dallas, so we're getting rid of it. And I think they used Larry's death as... as um, reason maybe it was both i don't know i i I wasn't privy to it all but it's just my opinion do you think i mean i know financially how it's owned there's a lot of pieces and financially it's a very hard show to have anything to do with a reboot but like do you think we're done do you think we'll ever see you know you and patrick and charlene and audrey and you know maybe even victoria principal or do you think we're really done seeing this on the screen in some respects um, personally, I think it's, it's done. It's, uh, it was at the perfect, it was the perfect show, the perfect time in history, uh, the perfect cast, everything was to me magical and to try to, uh, put it back like a little puzzle and scotch tape it over here and there. I think, no, I think you live with those absolutely perfect memories and um you know and and just go on and smile and say thank you for watching that's it i know you know you are an in the moment person as i've learned earlier you've done so much in this business you have directed you've done broadway is there something in this business that you haven't done that you still want to do you know i don't know it's a very good question uh it's like, um, I don't know. I don't, I, I always have lovely uh, open possibilities. Uh, it, it would, you, you know, I don't know. If a great script came along uh, or I might write one, I don't know. Uh, I'm just, I'm kind of coasting right now, trying to uh, not figure out life. I'm enjoying life right now. And uh, if something does come, I would consider it if I liked it. And uh, that, that's it. I'm always open, open to new possibilities, new adventures, new everything. It's like, you never know. You never know. I was at the 40th anniversary at South Fork for Dallas. So, I mean, I know it's, I know there was a lot of people there. It was a whole thing. It was great. You guys were there. I mean, the 45th, we're in the 45th year now, I guess. Nothing is happening. Oh, that's huh? so hard to believe. Yeah. I I've, I can't even believe that was five years ago because that seems like, I don't know, like 20 years ago to me. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's amazing. You know, I think something happened like last year and my daughter said, mom, that was three years ago. And I'm like, oh my God. So anyway, that's why I enjoy the moment. <laughs> that's a good way to be. Have you, what did you, like, what do you take away from Suwan? Like, what has she taught you after living with this character for all these years? Like, what have you learned, Linda Gray, as 
an actress and a mother and a human being from Sue Ellen? Well, you know, I, I always said, I said something. I said, uh, I told someone, I said, I'd like to have lunch with her today, 2023. I would like to have lunch with her and have a little chat about woman to woman and what she's like now. I think she's so interesting. But, you know, I I layered in so many things because the minute I got the role, I thought, okay, I see what's happening. She's an alcoholic married to a rich guy. So that doesn't make, Larry was trained, Larry Larry's role, JR, his, he was trained to marry uh, like a Miss Texas. I was trained to marry the richest man in Texas. So that does not make a wonderful companionship or, nor a great marriage by far. So that's why I had asked them to you know, bring all, how did she get like this? Why did she marry him? Because he wasn't marriage material other than the money. So I felt that I had, I gave a lot of input because I said, I need to know her mother. And that's when they brought in Martha Scott. So I think that there was a lot of humanity, a lot of input, a lot of female growth that happened with Sue Ellen Ewing that I knew as an actor, I couldn't have her be alcoholic and a bitch. Mm -mm. Because none of us, not you, not me, nobody is one note. Nobody, you have layers and colors and you're, you know, you're mad one day and you're so happy the next day and you're medium and then you, you want to go for a long walk and then you want to not, and you want to stay in bed all day. We're so varied in our emotions and our concepts in life and our, our human growth. And sometimes we're, we don't even like ourselves and sometimes we're just crazy about ourselves, but that's, it isn't, you're not two notes. Sue Ellen was alcoholic and had affairs. And I thought, this is boring. You can't have a character like that. Not in my mind. And so that's when I started <laughs> tightening, tightening things down. Like, uh-uh, she wouldn't do this. No, she wouldn't do that. But she might do this. And that's why... I felt she was so interesting. They could write stuff and I'd have to do that. But I thought there's a, I wanted to add some vulnerability in there. That's when I'd squeak it in. And then that's in the beginning, that's when they saw the um, chemistry. Because you, in my mind, you can't play just one note. Uh, and that was it. That yeah, I just kept playing with her <laughs> and making her more interesting, you know, because I had to be interested. I had to be excited to play that character. And I liked her. That's why, I mean, right. It was, uh, alcoholic, drunk, and having affairs, that would have been extremely boring, a throwaway oh, character. To your credit, you have layered her as an as an actress. To your credit, you layered her so well. She was so yeah. interesting. I think one of the most interesting characters in TV history. Honestly, thank you. I do too. <laughs> I really do. Two things before we wrap up. You're going to be at Chiller. I think I might be there. I split my time between LA and New York. So in New Jersey, you know, everyone needs to come see you. You're going to be at the Chiller Convention, April twenty. 8th to 30th, signing autographs and taking pictures. So everyone should come out and see you. Yes, absolutely. I love hugs and see people. And I love those places. So. And finally, like, what do, you, what do you think it is about Dallas? I mean, why is it, you know, Suellen, but why Dallas? Like, why does this, it's finding the new generation. Like, what is it about this show that just holds up so well? and just is still beloved by so many people. I think it's a bit of magic. I really do. Um, it, it was a perfect combination of everything. Um, you know, writers, directors, crew, the best crew ever. Just, there was, there was such a magical combination. It was like making the best recipe and the yumminess of all of that together is what was the glue that just kept 
catapulting it up, up, up. And um, that's what I think. I think it, that's why it's still to this day, uh, people talk about it and um, remember it with love. The storytelling, it's just the nuances. I, I don't know. There's just, there's not storytelling like that on TV anymore. I mean, there's great scripted shows, but it's just the storytelling was so in depth. It just, I think it was magic. Yep, it was magic. Well, I really appreciate this. I mean, again, like I said, this is my job, but this really was personal for me, you know, so I appreciate your time. I know you can be doing a lot with an hour of your life. So I really appreciate you taking the time. And if I go to Chiller, which I might, I will remind you that we did this podcast when I see you, because I know there's going to be a lot of people coming up to you. I'll remind you. Please do. I really appreciate this. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a great day, Linda. And you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon. Because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.